Welcome back to another episode of Keep It Brief on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM WRFH. I'm Camden and I'm here with SK and today we are talking about yet another Supreme Court case, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. So I prepped this case, SK doesn't really know much about it, and I'm going to go through it and get her live reaction with everything that has to do with this. So are you ready? Excited? Yeah, I'm super excited. Honestly, you guys, I really don't know anything about this case. I know it's about mushrooms. That's about it. When Camden told me that, she looked, you know, she said the case was really intriguing and I was going to love it. And so I assume she was talking about a different kind of mushroom, but no, this it's about vegetables. So yeah, I'm excited. We'll see if um if this is like a style that we like better and we maybe get some more interesting reactions this way. But yeah, I'm excited, Camden. Sounds good. I am too. And <laughs> as you said, I did have an interesting reaction when I brought this up. And it is literally about the mushrooms that you would eat on your pizza, which is sort of funny. And it makes this case... <laughs> <laughs> maybe you would eat on your pizza. No, I wouldn't. I don't even like mushrooms, so I so wouldn't. Odd. But it makes... It makes the case a little frivolous, but I think it has some really interesting constitutional implications that I'll dive into a little more at the end of the episode, but not to bury the lead because I feel like I've been doing that a little bit. This is United States versus United Foods Incorporated. This case is back from 2001, so it was a little while ago, predates both of us by about a year. What brought about this case is that there is an act in Congress, shockingly, that is called the Mushroom Production, Research, and Consumer Information Act. And basically, this act required that mushroom producers pay assessments, which would subsidize mushroom advertising. So basically, what this means is that all the different companies that grow and produce mushrooms would put money towards this government-funded PR campaign for mushrooms to help really bolster the (laughs) sale of mushrooms. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, the the government decided, hey, we think it's really important to help, you know, incentivize people to purchase mushrooms. And (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy. I know. I won't won't interrupt. That's... What you're gonna? <laughs> I'll let you get back. <laughs> no, it's on. See, that is. I had that exact reaction because when I first saw the case and I was, you know, going through and trying to find something to talk about today, I saw mushroom. I also thought it was a different kind of mushroom, which is what first, you know, made it catch my attention. But then when I realized it was about, you know, your typical run of the mill mushroom, and it was to literally create a PR campaign to convince American people to support this industry. I just, I also couldn't help but laugh. So I'm glad you had a very similar reaction to me. Yeah, it, it may, that makes, if people want to buy mushrooms, they're going to buy mushrooms. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> why aren't we doing this for strawberries? Why aren't we doing this for brownies? Literally. Why, are we, I, why do we subsidize anything? But that's a different, yeah. That's a different conversation. Based on your reaction, I'm actually going to jump around a little bit and I'm going to go down and talk about the details of the actual act because I think... Gracious. <laughs> I think it'll like help not only you, but also listeners like just get a better a better understanding of just why I personally found this case so frivolous and why I was excited to talk about it. So basically in... I'm about to read some of the Mushroom Promotion Research and Consumer Information Act. And it says that Congress finds that mushrooms are an important food that is a valuable part of the human diet. Don't we just love that our taxpayer dollars are being used in Congress to have them write that? 
I'm I'm just like I'm I mean yeah I yeah, I'm probably some people do who care like literally who cares apparently Congress <laughs> maybe they're all part of the mushroom fan club or something who knows but their second point the production of mushrooms plays a significant role in the nation's economy in that mushrooms are produced by hundreds of mushroom producers distributed through thousands of wholesale and retail outlets and consumed by millions of people throughout the United States and foreign countries I would love I mean, I know it's like not all included in the act, but I would like absolutely love to just know who was in charge of this research. Like, mm-hmm. how how did you determine this? Mm-hmm. You know, like what committee was like, hey, guys, we got to go figure out, you know, people's thoughts on my- like, that's insane. Oh, I know. It's giving and pardon me if anyone's listening that this might offend, but it's giving all the Congress people who, you know, aren't on the the foreign relations committee or the. The Appropriations Committee, the really important ones, it's giving that these people who are on less oh yeah, less important, not that any committee isn't important, but not the ones Honestly, that... Honestly, no committee is important. A camel is a horse built by a committee. Okay, well... I mean, I respect your opinion. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to be polite. I don't know. I, there's quite a bit of inefficiency as it is. I mean, so bad. I mean I, I'm tired. I like have no patience for like government inefficiency on, on this committees. Day. Gracious. Yeah. Um, it's like more, uh, more delegation, more layers. Like, please give me a break. Get rid of it all. <laughs> Anyways, I would love to hear more about this act, Camden. Okay. I'll get back to it. Uh, their third point was that mushroom production benefits the environment by officially using agricultural byproducts. Mm. They also say mushrooms must be high quality, readily available, handled properly, and marketed efficiently to ensure that the benefits of this important product, yes, important product, are available to the people of the United States. That's... <laughs> I, like, I like literally won't bite right now, but... Oh, I know. And as you continue down through the act, it talks a little bit more about the marketing, and that's obviously more vital to the conversation we're having today, but they talk about, you know, the maintenance and expansion of the existing market and how the cooperative development of financing is meant to help, you know, maintain and expand the existing market. So I don't know. I didn't obviously talk to anyone who wrote this, but it's just, it's making me think that maybe the mushroom market was struggling or something, and they were trying to help implement some sort of or they're making some deal with you know what i mean yeah who knows um, so i just went through all of the different findings that congress produced in this act so basically just all the reasons that they felt like doing something like this was necessary and now i'm going to go into a bit more of the policy of the act i'm going to paraphrase but basically it just states that congress finds that there's public interest in the expansion of the mushroom market and a way to do that is through these marketing campaigns uh, and provides an opportunity and a platform for the mushroom industry to expand for more people to be able to purchase mushrooms things like that and hopefully you've enjoyed everything you've been learning about mushrooms thus far while you've been listening to keep it brief on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm wrfh so interesting honestly yeah i wanted to clarify too i know i'm like laughing earlier but like i'm like like i'm not a mushroom hater i like do recognize actually my mom's kind of like into you know she's 
been like on that train for a while. I kind of like think she's a she's always ahead of the trends, but um, they do like have a lot of health benefits, and I like I recognize that like a, you know like lion's mane and stuff and all mm-hmm. all those things, mm-hmm. which is like great. And I'm like so so pro all of like those like natural remedies and everything like that. Um, I just it's it's a little personally for me it's like always a little hard to hear when it's like from the same people who you know don't always have like the the best interests of like the health of of mm-hmm. america at the forefront of like their priorities so it's kind of like i'm like not saying i disagree with the mushroom thing but i'm just like okay why should i believe you there's always money behind it right and then also to be so frank I, this isn't at least in my opinion it really has nothing to do with health benefits from what i can tell it'd be no different if this was cereal or Right. Celery. Like, they're just, they picked, I mean, there's. Yeah, it's like frozen, like, here's yeah. a frozen mush. It's not like it's like, oh, we're going to go, like, actually. Right. You These know, aren't like. Source some, like, local organic non GMO mm-hmm. mushroom supplements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And. <laughs> like, your frozen mush. <laughs> right. Just like a basic, like, this could be frozen corn. Like, corn is, I love corn. No health benefits to corn, but it's like, that's. So true. <laughs> corn's so good. It's, no, it is. Yeah. I like, completely agree. Yeah. But besides the point. <laughs> so. Getting back to the facts of the case, because I felt like explaining the act was honestly just like so pertinent to then understanding the rest of the case. But as I said earlier, the government created this coordinated ad campaign via the Mushroom Act that I spoke about earlier. And United Foods, Inc., they refused to pay the assessment that helps fund these ad campaigns. They filed a suit, or the government filed a suit, sorry, because these assessments were required under the act. And United Foods, as the defendant, they declared that they refused to pay the assessments originally because it violated their First Amendment rights. The forced funding of advertisements violated their freedom of speech because United Foods felt that the advertising they were being forced to fund conflicted with the company's messaging and that, frankly, they thought their mushrooms were better than the other mushrooms being sold in the market. So to get forced into this conglomeration, if you will, uh, when they viewed their product as superior and they felt like they had, you know, a different niche within the mushroom market that the ad campaign wasn't encompassing, they felt like that violated their First Amendment rights. Absolutely. And I just thought about the the policy part that you talked about earlier mm-hmm. about, you know, whatever the goal that Congress said, it's like to strengthen the mushroom. Inter- it's it's on. It's like literally idiotic. It's like who who has more of a vested interest in like that industry being strong and in their marketing being like successful and in them like having mm-hmm. actual customers right then united the mushroom- foods or congress exactly so it's like exactly it's, it's re- <laughs> unless there's some backdoor deal going on right yeah well i'm sure I'm <laughs> i digress i'm sure there is there always is i'm like such a i'm such a bitter old man for being <laughs> a college girl <laughs> yeah i don't blame you in the slightest i mean it's been going on this is 2001 before we were born yeah. so corruption runs deep if this is even corruption we're it literally might not be. I mean, well, I mean, I, th- I think even then, like bringing, if nothing else, then it's like the fact that you think that you have the right to like tell a company like how to run the. Co- yeah, I think that's. I'm trying to look at the cup half full. Hmm. So the government, which is obviously the plaintiff in this case, claimed that the forced market did not fall under the protection of the First Amendment because this sort of government speech is immune from those protections. So before this case reached the Supreme Court, the lower court cited a different case, Glickman v. Wildman Brothers and Elliott Incorporated, 
in which California tree nut producers were forced to pay assessments on their ads and create ads that benefited that market. In that case, the court upheld these forced assessments and said they were constitutional because these ads did not violate speech. These ads were part of a larger necessary campaign and the specificities of these ads were not mandated, just that the ads exist. The ads existed. That was the only mandated part. And because the tree nut market actually had an antitrust exemption, their marketing fell under different requirements. So their forced speech was not protected against under the First Amendment. And then that was why in that case, the court decided they agreed with the government. That is why then the lower courts utilized this case as precedent. So now I have the long-awaited decision of the court. You all are probably wondering what they decided, given all of these really interesting aspects of the mushroom industry and how they tried to use the different ad campaigns to, you know, facilitate that and control that a little bit. So the court decided with United Foods Incorporated in a 6-3 decision stating that the assessments were compelled speech. It is illegal under the First Amendment to force any entity to promote or support speech that they do not agree with, even if it is for some sort of government effort. The dissent stated that in the Glickman case, the conclusion was not that there was a free speech issue, but rather that it was a question surrounding economic policy pointed at Congress and the executive or the president. That is the important divergence and why the majority did not vote in the same way they did in the Glickman case. They saw a difference between speech and economic policy However, the dissent felt that in both instances, the economic policy was the central issue. According to the dissenting justices, the ad program under the Mushroom Act does not compel speech. It only compels the payment of money in the form of assessments. The justices do not believe that the payment of money is protected under the First Amendment. So Justice Breyer, who opposed the majority decision, he sided with the dissenting justices, argued that the mushroom scheme does not compel speech itself. It compels the payment of money. He also warned that the ruling could set a precedent. That precedent suggests, perhaps requires, striking down any similar program that, for example, would require tobacco companies to contribute to an industry fund for advertising the harms of smoking. Mm -hmm. I don't see anything wrong with that. (laughs) Right, and I think it's a really interesting implication of the question around these government programs and even just the idea of the Mushroom Act requiring, you know, the money for the assessments to be put towards those ad programs. Is it even the government's job to force tobacco companies or mushroom companies to pay for advertisements? You know, and specifically in the instance with the tobacco company, tobacco is harmful. So where do we draw the line between public health well-being, government overreach, all of those different logistics. Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, the government enabling companies to intentionally be misleading or falsify like health benefits about something that is detrimental. But I think it's also like a completely different thing to evaluate when you're literally forcing an industry, you know, with tons of companies in it to basically advertise against itself because not only then are you saying we don't think that you should have you know the freedom to be able to just sell this freely but also we don't think that the american people are intelligent enough to like make their own decisions about that because honestly you know 
still tons of people still smoke and buy cigarettes. And I think the fact that this still happens, even though there are all these advertisements against it, is literally indicative of the fact that like it's, you know, it's not doing anything. And honestly, you know, stuff like this, it just it just doesn't feel very respectful to the individual. But you know where the individual is respected? Right here on Keep It Brief on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM WRFH. We actually have one of these. It's not a government funded advertisement because the government forced the tobacco companies to pay for it. And we're going to play that for you guys so you can hear what that sounds like. A federal court has ordered Altria, RJ Reynolds Tobacco, Laura Lard, and Philip Morris USA to make this statement about the health effects of smoking. Smoking kills, on average, 1,200 Americans every day. More people die every year from smoking than from murder, AIDS, suicide, drugs, car crashes, and alcohol combined. Smoking causes heart disease, emphysema, acute myeloid leukemia, and cancer of the mouth, esophagus, larynx, lung, stomach, kidney, bladder, and pancreas. Smoking also causes reduced fertility, low birth weight in newborns, and cancer of the cervix. I think an ad like that is really interesting and it's a you know complicated thing that gets added to this whole narrative because I 100% see Justice Breyer's point when he feels that the decision in the United Foods case provides a window for these sorts of programs to be ended completely given the precedent that it sets. But then my question in the whole matter is, not only with just tobacco, but also the mushrooms and the tree nuts and all these other things, I just, I find it hard to understand where the government gets the opinion that they think they should have their hands in any of this in general, whether it's positive market marketing, negative marketing. I, I just tr- don't understand what the constitutional grounds are. Oh, there absolutely are no constitutional grounds for them to do this. And I think it ultimately comes from a place of them believing that they know what is better for everybody and that they can plan, you know, for the collective group, which is absolutely not true. To think that they, as, you know, a government entity, have the right or even the capabilities to know what's best for each person is just honestly so far off from the truth. Oh, because Camden, earlier you talked about the public interest that they referenced for trying to, you know, advertise those mushrooms or whatever. That's not something that you can know or or dictate because you don't know every single individual person's, you know, utility for every good that they want to buy or whatever they want to partake in. And maybe you influence a marginal amount of pe- people, you know, with these negative advertisements for tobacco. But at what cost? Because it's like you don't know. You've made them pay for these commercials and what if they had put that back into the company and like whether you like it or not that gives you know more people jobs and maybe that's that's a uh, a greater benefit than it is a cost for like a couple more people to smoke if they choose to do so it's one thing to you know want to help promote a conversation that makes sure underage you know kids aren't getting into things that they sh- they shouldn't be before their brains and bodies are fully developed but again that's really a problem at the level of individual stores and you know having law enforcement hold those store owners accountable for whether or not you know they're selling to minors and also just in terms of like the the individual ideologies with local communities and families that is not the job of the federal government and SK I'm so glad you brought up your comment about 
you know, companies being able to put their money other places if some of these restrictions weren't in place. Because actually in the Glickman case, and I just remembered this when you brought it up, they brought they um, had that in their argument that it was inadvertently affecting their advertising budgets and that it was determined that it was not um, going against their free speech rights under the First Amendment. But then the money they're spending in the United States v. United Foods case that does impact their freedom of speech. So it's just these dichotomies between all these cases. They're really intricate. And I think it, as you said, it just goes back to the government thinking that they know best in certain situations or other situations, which is really difficult. Definitely. I have one last story that this kind of reminds me of, but uh, back in the 90s, Al Gore's wife, I forget her name, but she was sort of the pioneer for this movement. You you know those like uh, parental advisory stickers on like CDs and stuff now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she was like, oh my gosh, there's all this lewd, explicit material, you know, on, on here, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, basically. And so she pushed for and eventually got that passed where they would have to put those stickers on there in hopes that parents would see it and know like, <gasps> Like, we can't let our kids have this. And what actually happened is that, you know, sales for those those albums in particular went through the roof because now the kids know exactly the ones to buy. And I kind of feel the same way about the cigarettes, honestly. Like, right now, I just feel like going and buy a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Anyways, we guys, hope you enjoyed this week. It was a little bit um, unorthodox from our normal style. But as always... We appreciate it, and we will be back next week for another episode of Keep It Brief on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM WRFH. 